chapter nine of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva piquette takes a hand as monsieur valcourt the sculptor had said piquette morin was a gamine she liked the warm nest in the boulevard clichy with which the duc de vautrin had provided her because it satisfied a craving for the creature comforts which she had been so long denied and because it filled the hearts of other young women of her acquaintance with envy but she was not happy after all was she not young and had she not her life to live it was enough indeed to have grown in a few short years from a seller of flowers and a model for the figure into a lady of fashion but her heart was still in the rive gauche and there she went when she pleased searching out her old haunts and the companions of her days of want with whom she could throw off the restraint of her gilded cage and laugh with an open throat at the ancient jests and dance her way again into happiness life she loved all shades of it from the sombre in which she had been born to the brilliant artificial highlights of cafe and restaurant all sorts of people she knew cocher bandits dancers poets singers satirists artists journalists and she rejoiced in them for what they taught her of the grande vie quite unhampered by morals of any sort trusting entirely to her impulses which were often good the creature of her birth and surroundings she was a pupil in the school of the world speaking after a fashion three languages she discovered that she had a brain and the war had made her think without the help of the americans france must fall and so when they came she rejoiced in their splendid soldierly appearance and the promise they gave of rescue and help for france she met harry horton in the taverne du pantheon he was quite drunk and didn't seem to have any hotel so she took him to the boulevard clichy in a fiacre and put him to bed according to her own lights it was the only natural the only decent thing for her to do thus it happened that harry horton found himself to his surprise on excellent terms with a friend of the duc de vautrin about whom barry quinlevin had been writing him the source of the irishman's income in a reckless moment he confided to piquette barry quinlevin's secret and as the duc de vautrin had provoked her that afternoon by refusing her the money for a hat that she had particularly admired she turned against her patron entering with interest into a plan which eventually seemed to promise much that she repented of her disloyalty the next day when m de vautrin relented was a disappointment to harry horton who saw a way in which she could be useful to him also harry horton was sure that he had talked too much for it was hardly safe to make a confidante of a weather-vane 
when harry horton left paris to join his regiment piquette shrugged her pretty shoulders and in a few days he was only a memory he had been her bel ami but enfin even in the quartier one got drunk like a gentleman the meeting in the restaurant of leon javet came at an opportune moment the duc had again developed a habit of meticulous inquiry also for reasons of his own had reduced her allowance the familiar figure in brown was pleasing after the day of labor in the studio of m valcourt he represented a part of life that she could not taste and this very morning she had read of him in the bulletins as the hero of boissiere wood and so she had welcomed him in her joyous way sure in spite of his deficiencies that their friendship had been no mistake a hero Lot. of course she was glad to see him but the reserve in his manner had mystified her he was like another man he was quieter finer gentler and yet very brave and strong a little triste perhaps but more deep more interesting and touched with the dignity of one who faces death for a noble purpose but piquette had not lived in the streets of paris all these years for nothing a few months of warfare would not change a man's soul what was this strangeness what had come over him he had packed her home in a fiacre just when she was becoming most interested in this extraordinary transformation she had never before suffered from pique and it annoyed her that he shouldn't have been more eager to resume their ancient fellowship who was this unshaven fellow with the slouch hat and worn clothing who had so great a claim upon his attention his figure too had a familiar look his manner had been urgent threatening even and harry had obeyed the summons banishing her piquette to the outer darkness of the boulevard clichy and he had not written her or telephoned all day she waited in expecting to hear from him and expectation increased her interest and her disappointment also meditation gave her a perspective they were curious these second thoughts deepening the impression of a striking difference between this harry horton and the one who had gotten drunk in the taverne du pantheon idiosyncrasies that had escaped her during the few moments they had been together at javet's came to her now with startling clearness the slow direct gaze the deliberate motions of the hands their touch on hers and parbleu she started upright as a thought came to her like a coup de foudre the twisted little finger he had broken that night at the pantheon it had bothered him only a few days and it had never been set she remembered now the fingers of the right hand of the visitor on his wine-glass at javet's remarking how strong they were the little finger was straight 
it was curious that such a trifle should come to her with such significance it was also curious that she hadn't noticed it at the time could she be mistaken when night came and she had not heard from harry she went out and made her way across the river leaving word where she was to be found if the visitor called and went straight to the cafe of gabriel pochard she and gabriel were friends of long standing many years ago when she was but a child model for fabian gabriel pochard had posed around the studios with long hair for prophets and saints but he had married some money and opened the cafe which bore his name it was not a beautiful place and as she knew was frequented by persons not of the vrai type the gamblers the sharpers the wealthy outcasts of all kinds who knew a good omelette when they tasted one and relished a particular kind of seclusion for here no questions were asked it was at gabriel pochard's that harry horton spent much time for he had come with a letter to gabriel from m quinlevin who had known pochard since the days of posing for the great m jerome it was here that she would find harry horton or news of him and information which would perhaps answer the strange sequence of questions that had come rising to her mind she had the french passion for the mysterious the unexplainable and with her own pride as the stake she meant to leave no stone unturned which would help her to a solution of the problem she found gabriel wearing a sober air busy with his bottles and the cafe was blue with tobacco smoke ay mon vieux she said in the argot you wear a worried look has leon javet been stealing away your customers ah c'est toi petite what brings you here alone ma foi my legs if you would know the truth and a woman's curiosity tiens that is nothing new how can i help you i want you to tell me what you know of harry orton gabriel frowned and glanced about him cautiously Shh, he said warningly and then in a whisper who told you that monsieur orton was here she laughed did i not see him myself with my own eyes last night where at chavez and then in a meaning tone as she looked him in the eyes him or another he glanced at her his face which still showed traces of great beauty twisted unpleasantly and then beckoned her to follow him through a door nearby into his office and when they were seated what did you mean piquette what i said put in piquette lighting a cigarette him or another and then as gabriel's frown deepened she shot straight at her mark there are two harry orton's gabriel pochard she said coolly the effect of her words on gabriel was not lost on her he looked around him furtively and caught her by the wrist who told you this it's true then asked piquette who told you my own eyes the visitor at javet's had no twisted little finger and no one else has noticed 
not so far as i am aware gabriel pochard gave a great gasp of relief ma foi child but you have sharp eyes if they weren't sharp mon vieux i would still be selling flowers outside the cafe soufflé tell me the truth of this gabriel she said settling herself in her chair with the air of one who has come to stay it is what i came here to find out he glanced at her then frowned at the floor and shook his head oh yes mon vieux you will tell me that it is none of my business she said firmly eh bien it is my business my right to know and then as he remained silent you are aware that i am not one to be refused gabriel rose from the chair at the desk and paced up and down the narrow apartment but still he did not speak and then at last what devil put it into your head to come here inquiring of this matter the devil himself i she said with a gesture and then with a little shrug and a sober mien you may trust me gabriel he stopped and sat in his chair again eh bien as you have said it is your right but it is no matter to be breathed outside this room it will not be the first time i have kept your secrets i should not tell you speak gabriel pochard shrugged last night late a man came in here to see me a man wearing old clothing and a three weeks growth of beard it was monsieur Orton. he was very much excited and told me a remarkable story that rivals the tales of monsieur hugo yes i understand go on he said he was wounded upon the battlefield at night when out of the darkness appeared just beside him the very image of himself it was his twin brother whom he had not seen for five years a brother with whom he did not speak ah it was what i thought the brother took from monsieur Orton his uniform and went on leading his men to victory it was the fight of boissier wood you have heard piquette nodded this interloper took monsieur Orton's uniform his rank and identity and now comes back to paris to monsieur Orton's own apartment and monsieur Orton's wife piquette had started to her feet her fingers grasping the shoulder of gabriel his wife she broke in parfaitement his wife repeated pochard you did not know he never told me she stammered who the daughter of my ancient friend monsieur barry quinleven said pochard with a shrug you're sure as certain as i sit here ma petite piquette sank into her chair frowning deeply go on she muttered they had met last night on the street in the dark monsieur Orton demanded of his brother to relinquish his identity he refused monsieur Orton came to me it was an act of injustice monsieur Orton was outcast something had to be done i helped him voila too piquette had been listening intently thinking deeply the while as pochard finished she searched his face keenly her frown deepening 
there's something at the back of this pochard tell me the rest pochard hesitated scratched his head and shrugged a shoulder i do not like it you understand it has worried me all day an american a soldier one cannot tell what would happen if the police piquette understood at once her fingers closed again over the arm of pochard what have you done with him pochard bent forward whispering he lies in the house in the rue charron by the river a knock on the head c'est tout and chloroform piquette was silent staring at the wall she fixed her wide gaze on the conspirator bah you are a fool pochard she shot at him they will catch you sure how much two thousand francs and you get half contemptuously who did it tricot and le saint jonglet tricot piquette got up and paced the length of the room turning quickly you are an idiot pochard she stormed at him furiously an american don't you know what you have done it is the hero of boissiere wood that you have struck down an american who has risked his life for you and me but monsieur Horton, he has lied to you i do not believe she broke off caught pochard by the arm again and shook him when did this happen late last night and harry Horton was here this afternoon drunk pochard shrugged no not bad he was in uniform where is he now i think he has gone to find his wife his wife piquette sank into her chair took out a cigarette and smoked rapidly for a moment and then what were you going to do with this this twin brother i pochard gave a gesture of abnegation nothing i am through that is the affair of monsieur Horton. ay mon ami but you can't wriggle out so easily you have received money blood money pochard put his hands deep in his pockets and extended his long legs frowning at the floor i am sorry now it is a bad business the man is safe so far yes but tricot he waits for orders piquette ground her cigarette under her heel and rose abruptly with an air of decision this american must be liberated at once pochard rose and faced her it's too late he growled no it's not too late i know the sort that tricot is with the river just there at his elbow i can do nothing that's what worries me tricot and le singe will look after their own skins now you mean she paused significantly the scene he nodded somberly it is the solution of many problems she caught him by the shoulders and shook him but not of this problem you understand it will not do i will not have it you he laughed what can you do you shall go with me now and liberate him he took her hands from his arms roughly and turned away no he growled not i have i not told you that i am through 
yes you will be true when the police come to find out what you know about the matter they will not find out don't be too sure harry horton is a fool when he drinks he will betray you pochard scowled and betray himself you can't be too sure i can't but i must trust to luck piquette stamped her foot i've no patience with you and then you will not liberate him no i refuse to have anything more to do with the matter you will regret it perhaps that will be my own lookout she stared at him in a moment of indecision and then with a shrug turned toward the door into the cafe you are an idiot gabriel pochard grunted as he followed her you will say nothing naturellement scornfully i am not an informer but i should like to knock you on the head too she put her hand on the knob of the door where are you going he asked to the rue charon he caught her hand away from the knob and held her you why should you intrude in this affair it amuses me i warn you that you will run into danger they will not harm me you must not go yes i shall save you from the results of your cupidity since you will not save yourself i will not permit it you have nothing to say in the matter since you have washed your hands of it she threw his hands off and opened the door piquette he called but she went rapidly into the other room before he could intercept her ran quickly out into the street and disappeared in the darkness she was throbbing now deep with purpose it was only in moments like these that life ran swiftly in her veins the excitement of the venture was like a tonic and she went on rapidly toward the boulmiche as she walked she went over in detail the conversation she had had last night in the cafe javet it was not surprising that she had not guessed the truth last night for the new harry horton's information as to his brother's affairs had blinded her to the physical differences such as there were between them perhaps it was the glamour that his heroism had thrown about him perhaps it was his gravity or perhaps the depth of his voice or the penetrating quality of his steady gaze but she had not been able to deny all day a new and extraordinary appreciation of the newcomer whose virtues half guessed at seemed to bring harry horton's deficiencies into higher relief and the mystery of his sudden appearance and the strange tale of gabriel pochard provided the added touches to stimulate her interest in him as she had told gabriel there was something back of this mystery of dual identity and she meant to discover the truth as to one thing she was resolved the beautiful young soldier of the cafe javet should not die if there was anything that she could do to prevent it tricot was a bad one so was le saint jonglet either of them was capable of anything she was acquainted with them both but she did not fear them for she knew the freemasonry of their evil calling and had even been in the little room of gabriel pochard when they had discussed their business affairs 
but this matter concerned a human being in whom she was interested no harm should come to him it could not be she wanted him for herself and so at last having decided that she must move with caution and leave the rest to chance and opportunity she went toward the house in the rue charron she had been there before some years ago with gabriel pochard when the boatload of champagne from up the river had been smuggled in thus it was that she knew the secret of the old passage to the river bank hidden from the opposite shore by a barricade of old timber so instead of approaching the house by way of the rue charron she went down toward the river and turned in to the quai des augustins there were a few people about but she watched her opportunity and when she reached the steps descended to the boat landing where she found herself alone and unobserved hidden from the lights above by the shadow of the retaining wall here she paused a moment to think and plan according to all the rules of the underworld the prisoner would be in the cellar of the house in the rue charron but if tricot or le singe were taking turns guarding him there her problem would be difficult because it meant a scene in which her persuasions and promises of immunity might fail and tricot could be ugly money yes perhaps if everything else failed but she had a sense of pride in the belief that with luck favoring her she could accomplish this rescue alone at any rate she meant to make the attempt and so she found the end of the tunnel and with some difficulty and damage to her gloves and clothing wrenched at the boarding the timbers were old and rotten as she knew and it was not difficult to make a passage it was so easy in fact that she began to believe that tricot had more wisely kept his prisoner upstairs but as she moved forward cautiously one hand steadying her progress over the rough masonry she caught the first dull glimmer of yellow light as she came to a turn in the passage she paused a moment and then stole forward quietly to the foot of the steps peering up into the cellar at first she could see nothing but a litter of boxes bottles and waste paper and then coming up one step at a time she searched the recesses of the cavern one by one a smoke-stained lantern burned dimly near the foot of the flight of steps leading to the floor above but there was no sign of any one watching and so she emerged cautiously from the dark hole and stood up in a moment she found what she was looking for huddled in the corner to her right she made out the contours of a human figure with another quick glance toward the steps and a moment to listen for any sound above she approached noiselessly he was trussed with a rope from head to foot his hands tied behind him but he was the man she sought she bent over him noticing his heavy breathing and the odor of the drug at the touch of her hand he stirred slightly and she saw the blood upon his face monsieur she whispered quickly it is i piquette 
and i have come to help you he stirred again and tried to move but the drug was heavy in his blood so she shook him furiously trying to arouse him it is piquette she whispered again his lips moved and his eyelids fluttered open piquette he muttered and then breathed stertorously this was encouraging she shook him again and again fighting the lethargy he moved and groaned it seemed almost certain that his guardians must hear him Shh, she whispered silence meanwhile she was struggling with the knots of the cord that bound his wrists at last she managed to get his arms free and moved them backward and forward with all her strength trying to restore his circulation then she unfastened the cords at his feet and pulled his knees up thumping him from time to time and whispering at his ear wake up monsieur you must get out of this with me his lips moved again who is piquette monsieur she repeated prodding at him and shaking his shoulders this time his eyelids opened wider and he looked at her vaguely but his lips muttered her name you must rouse yourself you must we are going out of here at once with an effort he struggled up to a sitting posture while she supported him pinching his shoulders and arms then she saw for the first time an earthen pitcher on a stool nearby there was still some water in it and she threw it in his face he sputtered and choked but she silenced him quiet for your life they're upstairs aren't they yes upstairs i i'm weak as a cat naturally but you've got to help yourself i can't carry you carry me no he toppled sideways and would have fallen but she caught him and held him shaking and pinching him again no you've got to wake up do you hear she whispered desperately they may come down here at any moment a dim notion of what she was talking about seemed to come to him for with an effort he threw off the heaviness that was coming over him again you piquette how did you by an old passage from this cellar to the river you must go out that way do you understand me he nodded feebly river he muttered there was another struggle against the drug and another but at last she got him to understand he was very weak but managed to support himself with an effort sitting upright while piquette ran over toward the foot of the steps and listened intently for if tricot and the englishman were listening they must surely have heard something of the commotion she had made but there was no sound she went back to the injured man would he be able to walk she shook him again and pointed to the way by which she had come it is there in the corner the way of escape you must make the effort she helped him struggle to his knees one of his arms around her shoulders but when she attempted to get him to his feet his knees gave out and he fell dragging her down with him it was at this moment of failure that a sudden clamor of knocking at the street door upstairs came with terrifying clearness to her ears and the sound of a masculine voice calling the name of tricot there was no time to be lost yet what was she to do she was strong 
but she could not lift the american bodily and he had collapsed again upon the floor for an agonized moment she listened a long silence and then the knocking was renewed followed by the sound of another voice upstairs and the tread of heavy feet going toward the door desperate now and aware that only the american's own efforts could save him she lifted him again by sheer strength to his knees they'll be down here in a moment she stammered in his ear you've got to help yourself you've got to crawl on your knees toward the corner beyond the pillar i will help you he seemed to understand and struggled a few feet paused in weakness then struggled on again and all the while piquette was listening to the sounds upstairs the voices which now seemed to be near the head of the stairway coming to her ears distinctly we've got to get him away from here out into the country somewhere and lose him harry horton's voice why growled a voice in english moira quinlevin knows the truth an oath from tricot as the other translated who told her no one she guessed it parbleu we shall take no chances then you must take him away a cab out into the country said harry's voice again and leave him to recover and set the police on us not much he'll have to go the long road my god no not that cried harry the river growled tricot and then the other voice you started this thing and it's got to be finished did you bring the money tomorrow but i can't there was the beginning of a violent discussion in which tricot's advice seemed to prevail harry's opinions wouldn't matter much to these precious villains but piquette had heard enough it seemed that they were about to descend the stairs to the prisoner and glancing backward she labored with the injured man until they reached the shadows of the pillar into which she pushed and dragged him until they were both hidden from the light of the lantern but the steps into the passage were still ten feet away already there were footsteps on the stair where one of the men stood still arguing with harry horton with a final effort she urged the drugged man toward the opening and then tumbled him down into the darkness she heard the steps coming down the stairs heard them pause and a voice again raised in argument but she listened no more the situation was desperate for in a few seconds at the least the escape of the prisoner would be discovered so forgetting caution she pinched and shook him by main strength of her strong young arms urging him forward something of the imminence of his danger seemed to come to him for he crawled to the corner and then stumbled in some fashion to his feet clinging to her the air beyond the turn in the passage seemed to revive him and in a moment swaying and struggling against his weakness he stood outside the opening upon the river bank leaning against the wall while piquette thrust the boards across the opening she heard a cry now from beyond the passage and with the injured man's arm around her shoulders led the way down the bank to the landing he caught her intention there was a boat there and she got him into it and pushed off from the shore into the stream 
she was almost exhausted by this time but managed to get out the oars and make some progress down the river before the timbers fell from before the opening in the wall and three men appeared tricot harry and the englishman she saw their shapes dimly in the shadow of the wall but a strange thing happened then for the three figures went flying up the steps to the quay and then ran as though for their lives in the direction of the pont saint michel but she managed at last to reach the quai du louvre where with the help of a belated passer-by she managed to get the man she had rescued into a fiacre and so to the boulevard clichy End of chapter nine